Well, yeah, as Doug said, we're starting a, a new series, our Advent series today, His Great Names. And uh, we're going to be looking at, we're going to use Isaiah 9 as a jump off point, uh, where some of the prophetic names of the, of the Messiah, Jesus, are given to us. It's kind of a, it's a pretty famous text. And so why don't we just start there? Let's, let's take a look um, at this uh, text. At the time when, when Isaiah gave this prophecy, I don't think that they necessarily knew that they were talking about Jesus. Um, but they did know that God was going to send somebody to redeem Israel and redeem the world. And so this is what Isaiah says. For, to us, a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called... Now this is, uh, this is just the normal language in Hebrew for when a child is born. And the mother and the father, they give the child the name. And so this is going to be the name of the child. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So we're going to take a look at wonderful counselor today. Uh, if, if you're in, if you hear in English, you know, wonderful counselor, well, that sounds like what? Sounds like a really good therapist, right? Oh, I've, I've been having a hard time, but I've got this wonderful counselor who's helping me get through it and to, and to thrive in the midst of it. I got a clip of that, um, to set it up. This is from a What About Bob in 1993 film with, uh, Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus. Bill Murray is a character, his, he, he has agoraphobia, so he's afraid to leave his apartment. He has hypochondria, so he's scared to touch anything without, like, a, 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 a cloth to protect him from germs. He has Tourette syndrome, and I, if you don't know what that is, uh, this, that's why the movie is PG-13, when he describes what that is. Um, and so he is looking for help, and so he goes to a world-renowned psychologist, and they're having their very first meeting, and he's told uh, Dr. Leo Marvin all of the things that are wrong with him, and now Dr. Leo Marvin is going to be his wonderful counselor. Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself, one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Mm. That's what we think of when we think of a wonderful counselor. Somebody who's going to come in and fix all of our problems. Uh, with great advice, baby steps. And to some extent, I think there, there, is a, there is an extent to which Jesus does fulfill this, right? Jesus does provide the most profound ethical teaching in human history in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And that is really good advice for how to live. And, and Jesus does do that. However, 
you may not be surprised to find out that that is not what the wonderful counselor uh, language in Hebrew actually refers to. So I'm going to walk you through it. Wonderful counselor, uh, it's Pele Yoetzel. And it's two nouns, okay? The, the, the noun that we're pele, where we see wonderful, which is an adjective in English, is not in Hebrew. The, it's it's, it's a, the, the word that means miracle or marvel or wonder. So like a miracle. And where we see counselor, there's actually a verb, which means advise or planning. So if you do a really, really raw, basic kind of just stripped down Hebrew translation, it's it's wonder planning, miracle planning, marvel planning. And since this is a person, we don't, in English, it's weird for us to think of like having wonder planning as like someone's name. And so the, the translators turn that into like wonder planner, miracle planner, or uh, in the English that we're familiar with, wonderful counselor. But if you think, if you just look at that actual Hebrew language right there, it's not, here's some really great advice to help you in your life. It's not even come to me and, and, and tell me all of your problems and I will listen to you. All those things are true about Jesus not knocking it. What it's really saying though is that this person is going to be a marvelous planner. He's going to plan marvelous things. A marvelous salvation is being planned in and through this person. So that's the first thing on your note sheets. Wonderful counselor is really the planner of marvels who is the author of a marvelous salvation. And uh, we're going to see that this, how this gets fleshed out in Jesus' life in the New Testament. Okay, this is this uh, this person, Jesus is he is marvelous, he is wonderful. But what he's doing is he's planning, or God is planning through him a miracle, a miracle of salvation. So what's that look like? Uh, we're going to turn to Luke two. This is also the NIV. Um, this is the uh, near the end of Booth, uh, Luke's birth narrative of Jesus. And Jesus is now, uh, his parents, he's, he's a little bit older, still, still a little guy, but his parents are bringing him to Jerusalem for purification rites and to present him at the temple to be dedicated to God. This is according to the, the, the law of Moses. And so while this is happening, there's a, a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation there meaning Israel's in crisis, the world's in crisis, and Israel needs to be healed. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's appointed one. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, uh, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon takes him. Whoa! That Take him in his arms and praise God. For those of you who haven't been parents, or if you remember being a parent, if some random person comes up and takes your child, you might be a little bit like, whoa, uh, but but he's he's praising God, and so what he, he he says this. He this is a, like almost like a it's a poem that he he pronounces. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Uh, I can die now because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, how do Mary and Joseph respond? They marvel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, this marvelous salvation now being revealed. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this isn't all good news. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against 
so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. This marvelous salvation, this miracle plan of of, of Jesus isn't going to be without its casualties. So the first thing about this marvelous salvation, did you notice Luke's language here about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is on Simeon. It's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he's going to see the Messiah. He's moved by the Spirit. He's not in the, the temple. He's just walking around Jerusalem. And suddenly he's like, Spirit, what? Where are we going? Oh, let's go to the temple. And he, he runs the temple. And then the Spirit reveals to him Jesus Messiah as Messiah. Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. This is not, you know, Simeon on his own plan. This is not Simeon doing what Simeon wants to do. Simeon's entire life is built around the movement of the Holy Spirit. Even notice this, the spirit reveals when when he's giving his his, uh, prayer, his blessing. My eyes have seen your salvation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has opened them. So if we're looking for a marvelous salvation, we shouldn't be looking for what's going on in our hearts, maybe, or even what's around us. What we should be looking for is what the spirit is up to. There's a book that came out in 2019 by a guy named Rob Walker. I think he's like an art teacher. And uh, the book is called The Art of Noticing. And in the, uh, in the, the introduction, he, he names three people who are famous for noticing. I've got their pictures here. On, on, the, on the top right is Billy Bean. If you've read the book or seen the movie Moneyball, you know that Billy Bean was uh, in charge of the Oakland Athletic. Are the Oakland A's, did I hear that they're leaving Oakland? Did I hear that? That's, that's sad, I guess. Where are they going? Vegas? So hot right now, Vegas. Anyway, Billy Bean, he, uh, he became famous because what he did is he, he had a stats guy who showed him to start, start paying attention to different statistics in baseball. Stuff that was not noticed by other people. He noticed and paid attention to things. I think the, the biggest one was um, the percentage of getting on base. didn't matter how you got on base, whether it was a walk or a single, but the percentage of a player who got on base. And he found these guys who weren't making very much money, who weren't valued by their organization, but he noticed what they were good at. He hired them and he turned the A's into a potential world champion team. In the bottom right, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha. He got his start by paying attention to companies that were undervalued, not noticed. He did the research. He noticed their profit and loss. He, re- he realized they were worth way more than other people thought they were. He noticed that. He paid attention to it and as a result became a billionaire. And then there's Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. Have you ever noticed... That we walk on driveways and drive on parkways. What's the deal with that? That's, uh, they even call it observational humor, right? Because what Jerry Seinfeld's famous for is noticing weird stuff and then joking about it. And he made a bunch of money because he was really good at doing that. Uh, Walker, the author of the book, he, he, he says that we live in an era of white noise. We live in a time when we are constantly distracted, we're constantly busy, and we're proud of that. And there's no time that we set aside to notice 
or to pay attention. Now, he, he thinks that that's, you know, helpful for us to become successful in business or, or find, you know, our passions or whatever. And I, I'm sure that's true. But Simeon is an example of, of what we should be paying attention to, the Holy Spirit. We should be paying attention and noticing what's happening around us, not in terms of like, you know, our health and wealth and all of those things, but in terms of what God is doing. This salvation, this marvelous salvation, the first, the next thing in your note sheets, this marvelous salvation is spirit powered. Pay attention. Notice what's going on. Look for the things that everyone else is missing. See what God is up to. That's a, the question here. Um, are we paying attention to what God's up to or what we're up to? I mean, I think we all can confess that we've got a lot of things on our plate. And that's what consumes our attention. That's what consumes our, 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 our noticing is the stuff that, that relates to, you know, our day, how are we going to get through this week? You know, how are we going to make rent? How are we going to grow the business? How are we going to fix this relationship? How are we going to move through this difficult time? That's what we're looking at. And the question is, is that what God is looking at? And the second question related to the first, are we spirit-powered? Are we nourished with prayer and with scripture? Is that where our action comes from? Or are we just flying in our own strength? Let's look more about this marvelous salvation. Simeon, surprisingly, if, if you were a Jewish person in the first century, um, you probably would not have thought that the salvation that was coming was prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The Jewish people at the time did not like Gentiles. Gentiles were their oppressors. Uh, Gentile Rome ruled over Israel in a bad way. And what Israel was expecting was a salvation that threw off Rome's power and replaced it with Israel power. What the, what the people were expecting was violence and war that they would be successful at. But Simeon, because Simeon's been paying attention, right? He's been paying attention to the Holy Spirit. He's been listening to the Old Testament scriptures. He knows that what God's ultimate desire is for all people to experience salvation. This isn't going to be exclusive to the Jewish people. It's not going to be exclusive to this group or that group. It's going to be a, a, a salvation for all. And he knows how God operates. When God operates, the way God operates, you may have heard, uh, if you've been in church for a long time, the term election. Right? Election, a lot of people think that um, that the Bible teaches that uh, God has elected people to be saved or not saved. Um, I, I'm skeptical about that. And, and the reason for that is because the, when, when I look at how God chooses, elects people, he, he does it in the way that, that we do it. So, for example, uh, we've got a, a presidential election coming up. Right, We're going to elect a president. It's probably going to be one of these two guys. Um, which is pretty wild when you think about it. Um, what, we're, what are we doing when we elect a president? Well, we're choosing this guy or this lady or whomever to fix our problems, right? Like, you know, our gas prices are too high, and so we're going we're gonna to elect this guy to lower our gas prices. Or we're concerned about, you know, the 
what, the state of the world and, and conflict and World War III. So we're going to elect this person to stop that from happening. We choose someone to, through whom we expect to see a type of salvation. Well, that's exactly how God operates. When, when, when God, when God does, God doesn't choose people, uh, you know, to, to make, get them to go to heaven, although I'm sure that happens. He chooses people for missions. He chooses Moses to liberate Israel, right, from, from bondage. He, uh, he chooses Samson to, to be a judge and to, you know, get the people free again. He chooses individuals and then through, chooses Rahab to protect the Israelite spies. It goes on and on and on. And finally, Simeon says, now the culmination, the apex of this is God is choosing this little baby to bring salvation to everyone. Now that has a practical implication for us. What God did in the, the huge perspective in Jesus, God can and does do through each person here. You may not realize this, but you too have been chosen. Not so that you can be happy, not so that you can be wealthy, not so that you can go to heaven, although that probably, uh, that's part of it, but you've been chosen for mission. You've been chosen to continue this plan of salvation. Now, you can't do that salvation. You can't do what Jesus did. But you can participate in That's what God's called. And, and so the question that we should be asking ourselves, who in our lives needs salvation of some kind? And are, have we been chosen to help bring it to them? It's the next thing in your note sheets. The marvelous, this marvelous salvation is for everybody. And Jew and Gentile everybody. And as a result, there's probably people in our lives that we've been called to help bring this salvation to. And not just believing in Jesus, although that is the beginning of of all faith, but maybe something else. Maybe Jesus can bring some liberation to someone, some part of a life of someone that you know. Who have you been chosen to help? Like we said, there's, uh, there's some casualties here. Simeon goes on in, in the first, the, oh wow, the Mary and Joseph, like, this is incredible. We can't believe that we get to be a part of this. The coming of the salvation of the whole world. And Simeon stops. This is a, he blessed them. This is a blessing. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. There's going to be a lot of people who resist this guy and hate him. But there's a reason for it. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's the thing about a marvelous salvation, right? Yeah, it's a miracle. It's a wonder. And it's been planned uh, by God from the beginning. But there's some people who really don't want to be saved. If you're a part of a corrupt regime and it's brought you power, the last thing you want is for that regime to be exposed. 
if you've participated in unethical ways of becoming wealthy, you don't want a light exposed on that. The, the language there is it's piercing, right? It's cutting. It's as though something needs to be opened up. My grandmother, she loved frogs. She was a frog person. And so, yeah, very strange of all the animals to think. She thought they were very cute. She thought that they were the prettiest little creatures. And so she actually had like a, almost a shrine to frogs. There were stuffed frogs and porcelain frogs and art of frogs and little frog figurines. Just many, many, many frogs of all different colors. Mostly green, like her eyes. And so I grew up thinking that, uh, that frogs were beautiful. And then I took sophomore biology. And we did this. Which is a horrible thing to do to 15-year-olds. And I hope that they've stopped this. Because it ruined animals for the rest of my life. Now when I see an animal, I know that while it looks cute on the outside... On the inside, it smells really, really bad. And it's gross. The salvation, this marvelous salvation is the same for us. We, we come here, you know, or we don't. And we look great. I don't, but a lot of you do. And it seems like we've got it all under control. But if someone took a scalpel and opened us up, what would be revealed wouldn't be that pretty. The salvation that Jesus brings has to expose us first. It has to pierce to our heart first. And then once we see what needs to be saved in us, that's when Jesus takes over. That's when the spirit gets moving. That's when life happens. But the exposure comes first. Last thing on your note sheets is this. This marvelous salvation cuts to the core of our innermost thoughts and pierces our heart. Jesus is perfect. Jesus does it completely right. And so as he walks through his life, everything about that we don't measure up to, we see in him. Everything about us that we honestly don't really love and we probably shouldn't, we see in him done right. And if we let it, that can be a scalpel that opens us up. And that brings up a question. What are you covering up? What is it deep down that you know this is wrong? But you can wrap it up. You can keep it hidden from me and from your family, from your friends and your work colleagues. But when you look at Jesus, you can see this needs to change. 
And so number two, last, last question is this. What parts of you need saving right now? Because here's the thing. Yes, the salvation begins with faith. And by the way, just so we have the gospel clear, like when it comes to heaven and hell, all you have to do is trust in Jesus for life. That's it. There is nothing else that's required for every person here. If anyone here is, is burdened by sin and you've never done this, now is the moment to seal your eternal, de- eternal destiny and say, Jesus, I trust you. Give me life. And he will, and you are saved. You are done. That, that's, that is a done deal. There is nothing more that, that you need to worry about or think about for the rest of your life. You are sealed by the Spirit. You are destined for heaven. However, while we're here, there's more saving that needs to get done. Because just, be, just because your eternal security is there doesn't mean that you're the way that you're supposed to be yet. And this marvelous salvation isn't just for the future. It's for now. Jesus can come in, in the power of the Spirit, and clean house and make change. Does it, isn't, it, isn't it? If you want to wonder why... Jesus or Mary and Joseph marvel. You take the, the nativity scene, right? Like, got a picture here. Jesus is in a manger. It's probably in a cave or something like that. This, this is, he's a nobody. And yet he, he's taken to the temple as a baby. And this random guy comes up and says, everything that needs saving Everyone that needs saving is all right here in my arms. No one could have predicted that. Only the greatest miracle planner of all, God himself, could have put together a plan like this. A crazy, wild, insane plan that says, in this little baby right here, everything that's wrong is going to get made right forever. In just a, song, a second, we're going we're gonna to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's a, it's a beckoning. It's saying, Emmanuel, for those of you who don't know, Emmanuel means God with us. It's, uh, the, it's another Hebrew name that talks about God using two nouns put together. God, us, with. God is with us. And what, what, it, it's a terrifying thing to sing and, and, and to ask for because if Emmanuel comes, we're inviting that exposure. We're inviting new salvation. We're inviting a new way of doing life. When we say, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, it is, it is, it is, we're beckoning God to come and make things the way they ought to be. And that is a good and beautiful thing, but sometimes it hurts. And so as we sing this song, be open, be honest, be like, God, he, he, here I am. Pierce my heart. Look at my innermost thoughts. And I want you to come and be with me in that. I want you to come and be salvation for me in that. So that when we walk out, we can not just praise the name of the light of the world, Jesus the Messiah. We can be a part of the light of the world. We can go and find those we're chosen to help. We can, we can testify and witness to a, mir- a miraculous planner who has planned a miraculous salvation for all, for, uh, for all and sundry. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, you are the wonder planner, the wonderful counselor. You are the one who devises 
the most unbelievable and wild ways of saving us and rescuing us from sin, from death, from ourselves. Holy Spirit, we invite you to settle in this place in our hearts in a powerful and new way today. Jesus, we invite you to cut to the core of our most inner, our innermost thoughts, pierce our hearts. Father, we seek your elections that we can be chosen to, to bring your salvation to others around us in whatever way you design. O come, O come, God with us and light this Advent season in our hearts. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.